What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spooky season is upon us, true believers. And nothing is better spent than time with your boys here at the sensationally scary Second Print Comics podcast. You know, we've had plenty of traditions since we started back in 2020, Mark. But I gotta say, Spooktober is my absolutely freaking favorite because it and allows And the only one we stuck to, also. That too. That <laughs> too. that. Oh, well, you know, it's spooky season and we got a spooky background for those watching on the YouTube. If you're not, go over and watch on the YouTube or at least go over and follow our YouTube channel. That's really all we ask. Yeah. We want well, your attention or at least your, your, we at least want the internet to register your attention, even if we don't really have, it. you know what I mean? I, I feel you. It's all about the algos, my friends. And uh, another thing, the algos, I don't know if they're telling you, but they should be. They should be telling you to check out our Patreon, the second print comics. Fan club, club, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's become a, a bit of a community on its own, and that is where the nitty gritty stuff happens. That's where we deep dive. That's where you get our, our innermost thoughts. Currently, I've got a few projects I'm going through there for our patrons. Thunderstruck, the world's foremost and only, as far as I know, Thunderstrike podcast. I'm also going through the Savage Dragon Catch Up podcast, where I am rekindling my desire, my love, I guess you could say, for Eric Larson's Savage Dragon, going through old issues that I'm currently. Uh, sort of filling in in my collection as well as I'm, I just debuted this podcast, Remzo. More to the story. That's right. It's a pun. It's nice. all about Alan Moore's foray into image comics going through books I'm also collecting because these books, Remzo, you cannot find digitally. They do not exist digitally in any way, shape, or form unless you find someone who has scanned them on the black market. Uh, these, this is uh, Alan Moore's Wildcats run and Alan Moore's Supreme run. I am going through them simultaneously as I collect the physical copies of the book. This is analysis you're simply not going to find anywhere else. So go ahead and help your boys out at patreon.com slash second print pod. I haven't eaten today. That's because I've put all my effort into vodka and I have no money left. So, so we really do need your help. And that's why I'm living in this cobweb infested, spooky, spooky background right now. So, but it's appropriate for what we're going to do today. Very appropriate. So, Mark, uh, quick question. Do you and your family have any Halloween traditions that you'd go ahead and do throughout the month of October? Not really. You know, my, my, my family is relatively new. It's only our, our second October uh, together here in the United States. And, you know, our son's kind of at the age where he's he's just about 15. So he's kind of getting here just as he's kind of getting to the too old to really be a neighborhood trick-or-treater. Less into candy, more into goth chicks. Sort of. But we all do love uh, scary movies, so. We have that. Yeah, same for us. We uh, we try and do a trip to somewhere scary every October. So this year, because we've been traveling so much, we won't be doing anything this month. But in the first week of November, uh, during Veterans Day, we're going to go to Galena, Illinois, which is called the most haunted town in the state of Illinois. We originally wanted to do a trip to Salem, Massachusetts. You can't this get year. enough, can you? No, not you at all. Can't get enough. No. To we hear more about Remzo's uh, adventures. Uh, with various spiritual type beings, I guess you may say, check out the Mark Claire show where I interview Remzo Martinez. It's called Ghost Stories with Remzo Martinez. Check it out. 
uh, link to it in the show notes today, definitely. Yeah, we were going to go ahead and take a trip to uh, Salem, Massachusetts. I've always wanted to go see where the Salem Witch Trials took place. The Crucible is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, But tickets and like lodging, I didn't realize how expensive hotels in Boston were going to be because there's really no hotel in Salem. So, I mean, we're looking at like $250 a night in Boston. It's about an hour drive. So we're like, we gotta, we gotta find something. So I actually went to chat GPT and I was like, I want to go to places like Salem, Massachusetts, but within driving distance of Milwaukee. So chat was like, well, have you considered Galena, Illinois? And I was like, I've never heard of that before. So that's where, uh, that's where we'll be going. But yeah, no, like you, uh, we, we watch a ton of scary movies. I figured out um, and this kind of dovetails into today's topic. My wife likes Halloween, but she's not really into horror. So we've taken turns going back and forth between choosing what movies we're going to watch. So like I'll pick Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She'll choose Halloween Town. And it's just really funny because I'm going for a lot of, like the gory, like terrifying, like shit yourself stuff. And she's more into like the horror comedy realm. So it's been, it's been interesting, like seeing the juxtaposition between both of our tastes and, uh, and everything. So that kind of brings us into today's topic, which is we're going to talk about movies. We haven't done a movie list in a while. So fans, what Mark and I did was we went ahead and asked ourselves, what would we consider to be our top five favorite horror themed films, especially since we're in the horror themed month itself. Mark, as I went ahead and laid this challenge out before you, what was your criteria? What were you looking for? Well, I, I kind of brushed you off at first because, you know, we were, originally we were going to do this episode kind of on the fly and you were like, let's do this. And I was like, I, I need a minute because I, I really, I am a huge horror movie fan. So this idea of narrowing it down to a top five movies was really difficult. So I did have to come up with some criteria. Um, so at the end of the day, my criteria comes down to this and and there are so you know, horror movies can of all genres and this is probably true of any genre but maybe more so of the horror genre they can become very tropey uh the movies you can feel like you've seen the same movie just replace monster x and sometimes that's fine sometimes i just want to see the same movie with new monster x doing the same old thing getting down to the final girl who somehow gets saved either kills the monster in the end or gets saved by a cop or whatever it may be sometimes i just want to see something uh, formulaic. So I, I, but for me, a hallmark of a great, any movie, but also horror movies in particular is the rewatchability factor. Because if I can rewatch a horror movie in a genre where you, you pretty much usually know how things are sort of going to play out, uh, it says a lot when a horror movie can capture my attention over time. Um, uh, another factor for me, which you might not expect in horror movies, and it's not, nece- not necessarily an element of everything on my list, but it is a, a strange factor that I, I incorporate into my joy of horror movies. Cause a lot of the times the love of horror movies that I have is it's not just cause I'm scared from the film or because it makes me jump. Sometimes it's cause they make me laugh. I actually enjoy laughter as part of my, of my horror movie. And there's a balance to be had there. Cause I think some movies can go so overboard with the comedy that they cease to be horror movies anymore. Uh, so uh, there's a balance I think, but um, to me, I want to be able to laugh a little bit along with the film in some way, shape or form. So not, not, not saying that uh, any really of my movies, although some of them, are, are certainly are, but, uh, not, not to say that any of these should be knee slappers or anything like that, but I want to have a little fun too. I guess that that's the other element that I like to see in my horror films. Yeah. And that was the same thing for me. And, um, as I was, as I was going through this, you know, my thing was like, it's got, do do I want it to just be outright horror or do I want it to also just be anything that I could watch in the month of October? And the great thing about watching, uh, you know, we had a movie marathon over the weekend watching things with my wife that I wouldn't have typically picked myself was I watched a lot of good stuff. I watched a lot of things from like my childhood, like for people that grew up in the 90s as Disney kids, you know, Phantom of the Megaplex is a stupid 90s movie that is just a straight Disney made for TV movie. But it's so stupid. It's fun. So I allowed myself to pick some stuff, which is more on like the horror comedy side. But I mean, you you need that balance sometimes because it's very macabre. And what I really don't like, and I see this all the time in the month of October, I went to Liberty University and um, you get a lot of people. That's a horror show just in and of itself. Well, in and of itself. Don't go to Hulu, folks. Um, Is there a documentary on Hulu? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you in it? No, I'm not in it. 
thankfully. Um, a couple we people should, we I, should do a director's commentary, uh, not, not directors, but a, an experiencer's commentary. I did. I would get, I would get a lot of hate for that though. I've thought about it because a lot of people, it was, um, it, I don't, I don't remember what it's called. It was about Jerry Falwell jr. Watching his wife sleep with their pool boy. Oh, okay. Well, watching. So, huh? He was watching. He was watching. Yeah. He was watching. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. They don't teach. And that it wasn't just a one-time thing. They don't teach that at Liberty U. No. No. So a couple people I went to, I went to school with were in that and they, they just use it as a chance to like attack the school. And it's like, I think they went a little bit too far with it. But, um, anyway, you get a lot of people that I went to school with who were like, Halloween is of the devil and you shouldn't celebrate it. And I'm like, just have fucking fun. Like, why do you have to be such a killjoy about everything? And you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, it's so focused on all this other shit. It's like, did your parents not take you trick or trick or treating? Did you not go to a single party? Like have some fun with it. So I I chose some more comedy theme stuff for my list to balance it out. But I think I've got, I think I've got a good mix. So, uh, it'd be interesting. Yeah. So without thinking more about my school's old president, watching his wife, fuck the pool boy, you want to go ahead and start with your number five. No, I'd like to start with honorable <laughs> mentions. Can we do honorable? Mentions? Oh, let's yeah, let's do honorable mention. All right, well, I actually have two, but one of them I think I actually, and this will make sense later. One of them I need to wait until the end to, to honorably mention. That will I'll be clear in due time, perhaps. But the other movie I want to mention, I, I, I originally had it on my list. There's actually two I'd like to mention, maybe even three. Um, and if these are on your list, you, you don't need to reveal that. You can just not spoil one way or the other. But for me, I have a few honorable mentions. One is The Fly, Jeff Goldblum, The Fly. And you will see a theme throughout my movies. It'll, it'll be very clear in what decade I grew up because I think almost all of my movies are from the 80s. Uh, the Fly from Jeff Goldblum. Uh, also, you don't always think of this as a horror movie, but it certainly is. Um, you might, people might classify it more as sci-fi, but I'm going to call it a horror movie. Uh, that is the original Alien, I think, is a fantastic horror film. That um, one definitely should count as horror. Didn't quite squeak onto my list, but these were these were real close. I mean, any of these could have been in the in the five spots. So that's why I wanted to mention them. And another honorable mention where none of the movies are strong, felt strong enough to me to actually make it individually to this list. But I am I do have an affinity for the Friday the Thirteenth uh, entire line of films. However, unfortunately, none of them could quite squeak, squeak onto this list. I watched. I had never seen the original Friday the Thirteenth. So one until last night, I watched it last night. One, I did not know that it had a young Kevin Bacon in it mm-hmm. before his Footloose days. But secondly, it didn't have Jason. Right. No, most people don't don't realize that that the actual spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the original Friday Thirteenth, I don't think you even see the mask in it. Right. It's 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 just no. his mother essentially. It's just his mother. You see, uh, you know, child Jason pull the one survivor out from the boat, but you don't see Jason in the potato sack until Friday the 13th chapter two. Right. And I don't even think, I'm not sure he even has the mask. It might come into play in part two, but fully for the film into part three is when he really has the iconic Jason look with the hockey mask. Yeah. That's when like the Jason that we all kind of know finally comes out. Yeah. And then I guess within this, within this uh, honorable mention, I'll do a new, an honorable mention, a meta honorable mention. I really do enjoy, I particularly enjoy the portrayal of the Jason character. I think they went more in depth into the Jason character then in most of the, to the, of the Friday the 13th films, uh, I enjoyed Jason, how he is portrayed somewhat sympathetically in the uh, Freddy versus Jason movie. Because they kind of went into his backstory, um, showed his death sort of uh, more so than even, they, it's, it's always referenced and you see glimpses of it, but I feel like they went even further into that in the Freddy versus Jason film, which I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Although it, I think the flaw with that, which why why a movie like that wouldn't quite make a list like this, it does go maybe a little too far with the comedy it's, it's almost an entirely a comedy film. So to me that, that keeps it out of the top horror conversation. Yeah. It gets, it gets very West Craven slapsticky mm-hmm. towards the end. Yes. Um, okay. Well, I, I've any, got any, honorable, any uh, honorables. Yeah, I've got, I've got some honorables and, and these are in no particular order. One is the strangers that came out in 2008 for anyone that grew up with the fear of somebody ringing a doorbell constantly thinking that the person on the other side was potentially a serial killer, that will totally screw you up. The Strangers is a film about this uh, young couple that is staying at a friend's house in the middle of the woods when suddenly these strangers appear. Seems to be a father, a son, and a daughter all wearing these creepy masks. And what they do is they uh, they torture this family. Now, it's one of those films that they say is like based off true events, but um, 
Nah, there's not. There's really. There's really not much to it other than at some Based point off some people is the work. biggest scam phrase of all time. And it, you know why they actually use that term? It's because I was just reading a book about this, and um, it, it's because when in your brain, your your brain already has trouble distinguishing between a movie and real life. When you're actually watching a movie and you're engrossed yeah. in the movie, that's why you jump when that jump scenes because your your body doesn't quite register the fact that you're not that you're not actually experiencing this, even though you sort of do know you do, you are, you are not. Um, what was I talking about? What was the main subject of this? So the based upon thing is a whole, is a total scam. Right. Well, yeah. So then that based upon little disclaimer beforehand, it, it it solidifies that even more so right before you watch the movie. So they intentionally put that in there because it, it ties you into the movie more even subconsciously because you, even if it's not really true at all, because based on, there's no real legal definition of based on. So I guess one ex- one good example of based on would be the Conjuring movies, which are based on the lives oh, of Ed so and Lorraine loose. Warren. Yeah. So loose. Yes, the the characters Ed and Lorraine Warren are in the movie. That's about the end of the where the based on matches. Even the <laughs> stories, that, even the wild stories that they say, and whether you believe them or not is a whole separate thing. Some people think they're fraud. Some people think whatever. But even even what they say is vastly uh, you know over overrepresented in the film. So based on is 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 a scam. Yes, but it is it does is is there to not necessarily make us consciously think, Oh, this is true, but it is meant to sort of further our subconscious engrossment into the film. Yeah. And they, they totally screw it up there. Um, another one, which is one of those movies that definitely became a cultural hit and is actually pretty close to home for me is the Blair witch project. The reason being, it gets a bad rap. It gets a bad rap. It's, It's probably one of the first found footage movies, but what I love about it is that I got married right next to the park, the national park where the Blair Witch Project was filmed. That is scary. Yeah. Well, my wedding was already very Adams family. We got, we got married in an old mansion. And during our ceremony, we had like this really crazy storm break out. And as soon as we finished our vows, the sun came out. Hmm. So that was already pretty spooky for a, for a May wedding. Well, that sounds like a good sign. Better than it, the was, opposite. it was a good sign. Yeah. I mean, no one got hit by lightning. Uh, my, my next, uh, my next runner up honorable mention is the evil dead, but it's not the original Sam Raimi one. This is actually an example of a sequ- of a remake that I would say improves upon the original, the 2013 evil dead, uh, kind of went under the radar, but it's, it's so much gorier. It's so much crazier. The first one gets a PG-13 rating by today's standards, but this was very borderline, like, past R-rated at certain points. So the 2013 remake of The Evil Dead, one of my favorites. And then my last honorable mention is Zombieland. It's probably the only film where I'll definitely say that, like, um, the kid who played Lex Luthor and Mark Zuckerberg, Jesse Eisenberg, um, this is one of the few films I like him in Woody Harrelson. I mean, zombie land is a movie that I can watch really at any point during the year. And it is just, uh, you know, it, it takes, it takes that, that question of, could we survive a zombie apocalypse? And when people think of how they'd survive, a lot of them actually think back to this movie because of the rules for surviving zombie land and everything else. It's ridiculous. It's got some jump moments, but it's just funny. It's so perfect for October. Falls a little too much on the side of comedy for my taste, at least in terms of the horror genre. Um, I don't even think about these movies as horror, so I didn't include them, and it, but it just popped into my head because as movies, they're probably superior to anything I'm going to name, but I just wouldn't put them as, as horror because they are yeah. not played as horror. But the Ghostbuster movies I love, and, and I guess because they're about ghosts and stuff, you maybe some people will classify them as horror. So the reason they're not on my list is not because I don't love them. It's because I don't, I, just, I don't classify them as horror movies, not in the, the traditional sense. So, but I love those movies. They're better, yeah, go, they're better than any movie I've ever Yeah. Ghostbusters afterlife tried to feel more like a stranger's thing type of horror flick. Whereas all the others were very strongly in the comedy realm. So yeah, I could see that to me, there has to be true fear elements in them. And to me, the Ghostbuster movies, they're not even real. I guess there are frightening elements, but they're not, they're, they're not really played in that way. You're, you're not played for the jumps. Okay. Ghostbusters. It's more of a sci-fi comedy. I would say. Well, if those are the honorable mentions, I think we can go ahead and jump in. I'll go ahead and start with my number five. I love this movie. I remember um, back before I could afford Netflix or Hulu or anything else, back when nobody really did streaming, was my freshman year of college. I went ahead and bought this on iTunes back when you had to buy the digital downloads for movies. I bought this on iTunes, and we probably 
uh, shoved like 30 people into my small dorm and watched this on my laptop. 30 Days of Night. Not only a great horror film, but also a great horror comic book. It was adapted um, by the graphic novel of the same name, 30 Days of Night. It takes place in a small Alaskan town in which many of the residents go and try and uh, leave during the harsh winter, which as people in Alaska know, uh, you go through a 30-day period of just complete darkness because of where they're at in the world. So what these vampires try and do is they try and uh, isolate the town further by you know cutting off its electricity, its communications. And what they're going to do is they're going to feed on the town. So the remainder of the citizens, which include a couple sheriffs, deputies, and some folks that just can't leave anywhere they basically have to survive this um you know freaky vampire invasion but what's wild is the fact that this is a type of vampire that we have never seen movies before typically they go back it's like maybe the nosferatu dracula or like the Bram Stoker Dracula, where it's like they're suave and they have all these powers no these zombies are scary as shit these zombies with the claws and their black eyes and their crazy backwards devil language and shit like that. This is the movie that for me made vampires actually something scary, not just the caricature that people grew up on with, with Scooby-Doo. What's this double language you're talking about? Well, they speak. I've never seen this film, Remzo. Do you want to pull up a trailer for it? Well, I I guess so. It's a whole nother level of, of, uh, we have the technology. Do some way have, yeah, this came out in 2008 and I remember watching it with my parents and like, usually my parents are the ones asking me, like, even if it's a movie that I haven't seen before, what happens next? What happens now? What's going on? No, this there, there was silence in this, in this movie. It was terrifying. Let's see. Let's see. This is why you got to go check out the video because you can see me attempt to share a video Let's that means they have to see all my tissues though i don't think that's gonna work no, it's not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to do this right now well okay. anyway 30 days of night one of the most freaky films that you'll watch especially if you don't respect vampires you're gonna have a completely different view on them after watching this they're like slitting throats it's they're like zombie vampires let's let's put it that way not like i am legend type like they're completely cognizant they're just killers they're they're just killers She's a killer queen. All right. I was going to try to do it, but it's just not going to happen. You know? We tried, folks. You see, you just got to be with us we in the moment. Try. So if you want to see me try to play video files live, you can follow the Second Bird Comics on YouTube. Uh, moving along to my number five. This was a tough one, but I did feel it needed to be represented on my list. Uh, and it was even tough within this. Maybe there's an honorable mention within this. I'm all about honor- honorable mentions. Uh, in, in some ways, you might classify them all as one movie, and there is certainly debate which one is the best of them. Uh, you sort of mentioned one, sort of not, depending on your perspective, but uh, it is the Evil Dead 2. I'm choosing Evil Dead 2 to be the number Is that one. where Ash has to cut off his hand? That is where, uh-huh. that is pretty much the deciding factor here. It's where he actually gets the chainsaw hand in that movie and then carries it into Army of Darkness. I like to look at it as one really long movie. You can look at it that way. Um, there are arguments for Evil Dead, good arguments for Evil Dead, due to the even campier nature of it, due to the even lower production quality. But I think Evil Dead 2 is the it's just the right blend of of uh, Bruce Campbell has the character nailed down. Um, it's got some slightly higher production value uh, and a, a, to me, a slightly better story. And it's, it's just a slightly better made movie than the first one, even though it, it, it is almost a carbon copy of the first one. Of course, it dovetails right into Army of Darkness, which is, with, which is its own great kind of movie to me. But I feel like Army of Darkness to, just like jumps the shark so much that it goes, it's almost it goes way more slapsticky. And I yeah. think we're, we're almost out of the realm of horror at that point of true horror. Whereas with Evil Dead 2, we're it's still gore comedy. Realm. Yes. I mean, we still have the comedic elements, Bruce Campbell, um, everything with his character is, is hilarious, but it still is grounded enough in horror to, to, to have that, those horror elements and to, to give me those scare moments too. So it, it has the perfect blend to me. It has both. I can watch it. I can be scared and I can sort of lose myself in the story. And I can also laugh at a lot of the over the top, uh, effects and the mannerisms of Bruce Campbell. So that is why evil dead two makes my number five on my list. Did you did you watch uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead on Stars? I, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've I've seen a few episodes. Yeah, that was good enough. Like that, like the, w- my thing is with the first Evil Dead, the first Raimi one, that was very much a standalone horror film. And what I do like about the remake uh, from 2013 
is that it really kind of removed some of the slapsticky elements that were only attributed to the first film because it was low budget. Um, it was very much uh, an indie film when it came out. So I feel like the 2013 Evil Dead remake is what it was intended to be, whereas the first one was only slapsticky because it's kind of like Adam West Batman. It's not like he's trying to be ridiculous. It's just that he it takes it so seriously that on its face it is ridiculous. I don't know. I feel like Bruce Campbell is trying to be ridiculous. He I tries to, that. but not in the first one. By number two, I think it's, they want him to dial up, dial up. Maybe that. it's arguable. Yeah, it's arguable that in the in the beginning that he's just trying to be an actor and is kind of not great in in that sense. I think he's great now, but maybe not great in the classic. Maybe the overacting is what sort of created the meme of his of his overacting as comedic, and then it's fully lean. And obviously, by three, that's the whole point of of his entire character is to be slap second over the top. So, so you think it originated in? in not so much of an or in more of an organic way where they were trying to just make yeah. a horror movie. And then they were like, Oh, this is kind of a absurdly hilarious the way this guy is overacting here. So let's just push that to the max. Yeah. That's, that's where I tend to fall on that. I could be completely wrong, but that's how I've always kind of read it because I I've seen enough stuff for the beginning of the first evil dead, like a storm took out the location at one point, they only had like two cameras. So a lot of what you see is running footage um, throughout the film. They were having to like tie cameras to trees for like the vantage point where it's like you see the evil spirit like going throughout the house and stuff. And they didn't have a budget to do a lot of repairs. So when they were like destroying windows and doors and stuff, like they couldn't just repair that or replace it to do retakes. They had to really do it. So I think they also filmed it within two weeks as well. So that sounds if, if folks, if you have not seen the behind the scenes for the first Evil Dead, just go on YouTube. Lots of fun. Really fun. Makes you makes you love the horror movie genre and uh, really respect Sam Raimi because I think people forget that like he had to work really freaking hard. He was a person that was like, oh, if these studios aren't going to give me these projects, I'm going to make them himself. The Evil Dead is his baby. Um, he couldn't get Spider-Man or Batman, so he went ahead and created Darkman. So if it weren't for his pure will to just create really awesome stuff for fans, we would have never had Spider-Man. If you don't have Spider-Man, I don't think you have any of the great superhero films that you have afterwards. Have so. we had this conversation before that I've never seen Darkman? You get, we get, you gotta watch Darkman. It's on Hulu. Now watch Darkman. I, I, yeah, I, now I only watch or read anything if I'm going to turn it into a podcast. So, I feel so give, give me a podcast. That's the only thing I have time to do is podcast and do things related to podcasts. So Hashtag make, podcast and we'll make Darkman happen. We'll make I it happen. I think originally we had it on the docket and then we, it was a time when we ended up shuffling our schedule and changing formats, something like that. So it got kind of to the wayside so you have well, the power you can make well this one time you want well this one is one that you've definitely seen it's probably my favorite zombie movie um Who's we're talking Shaun of the dead okay okay now this so you're, is you're still keeping this in, in your in your horror realm and what you would call call firmly established as horror this is firmly established as horror just because this is the movie that made the zombie genre popular again now you've got movies like uh you know, 28 days later, 28 weeks later, that comes out not as popular. You've got the Resident Evil films that are largely campy, kind of stick in the sci-fi horror realm. You got Doom, which when Doom came out with Carl Urban and The Rock was absolutely nothing like the Doom video game. Uh, and then you've got I Am Legend in 2008, which has a very different type of zombie. The whole they rose from the dead type of zombie genre that we're seeing in stuff like night of the living dead and other stuff you don't really see that for a good like 30 years there are very few zombie movies that are akin to Shaun of the dead so Shaun of the dead comes out and then what do we see we see a resurgence of the zombie genre within about a year and a half we start to see the walking dead on tv we get zombie land in theaters we have all these other zombie shows like um you know uh i forgot the one that was on doomsday i'm sorry the one that was on um what was it a uh, sci-fi channel like zombie doomsday or something like that zombie apocalypse like if it weren't for this film the zombie genre does not really come back in in tv or film or video games so yeah it blurs the line between jump scares and comedy but like it does that and it makes a lot of people really interested in the zombie genre so you know i think it's just a, it's a good story because it kind of flips the whole thing on its head um it brings british comedy into the mix but it's just Somebody it's objectively British comedy. It's me, oh, Alan, Moore. Alan Moore. Yeah, it's me, Alan Moore. Someone said British, and I'm here with my blood putting it. I want to encourage you to sign up for the second print Patreon to hear the exclusive podcast. Well, probably if he story. hears this, if he hears well, you this, can he'll hear probably a shitty impressions sue us. of me like this. 
he'll probably sue us. He's like, you can't pretend to be me. Probably sue the pirate. Sure. I'm just doing a pirate impression. <laughs> somehow turn, it comes an Australian pi- a pirate whenever I try to do it. I do about a minute long Alan Moore diatribe in, in that in that episode. So that that should that if that's not worth five dollars, I don't know what. That you can bookmark for birthdays and bar mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for drunk if Alan you think Moore impressions. so, so you would say that Shaun of the Dead for you is way too much on the campy comedy side of it. Yeah, it doesn't make me like the That's movie fair. less. It just makes me not categorize it in the horror genre. I, I wouldn't think of it that way, even though you could. You could. I mean, if you look it up on a movie app, it probably comes up under horror. It probably also comes up under comedy. So it's all about how you see it. But to me, it's like, what's the point of the movie? Is the point of the movie to scare me and shake me to my core? Well, then that's a horror movie. Is the point of the movie to make me laugh? Um, then I would categorize it in more of a comedy way. But that's not a strict it. definition. You know, it's a judgment call. I see it. Maybe you get scared by it. Or did you, did you, did you, did you, you know, do you wake up in cold sweats after watching, you know, shot of the dead? No, but there, there, there's a scene where he has to kill his mom that like really upset me when I was like 12 watching this. That's an upsetting, that's an upsetting scene. So I I would say that's the scene where it's like, it really kind of flips itself. All right. Well, I going to my number four and I think even, even at this point in the list, it was already, I think we're already at, in my top four. I'm already where I could, could have made any of these, my number one pick. And uh, again, as you'll see, I'm a child of the 80s. So the movies that I find scary are probably, you know what? I want to mention another honorable mention. You know why? Because I just watched this movie. I had seen it before, but I just watched it again. Have you ever seen the original Hellraiser? No. I haven't seen any of the Hellraisers, to be honest. It seems like it should be scary because a lot of the imagery is scary. But it's fucking hilarious. It's absolutely, it's not meant to be hilarious, but it's, it's so hilarious. The acting and the, I can't describe it any, any further than that, but I would just say if you enjoy a, a good, bad movie, the, I think, it, I think they do get scarier as the genre goes along and it's more about pinhead. You don't see pinhead that much in the first movie, but it's more about whatever. It's this whole other story. It, it was more about like the army from hell. What, what were they called? The, well, the Deadites or something? The, the Cenobites. The first Cenobites. one is just this dead guy who's trying to avoid the Cenobites. And most of the movie, he just talks about the, the fact that they're going to come get him. And then they come get him at the end. So you don't really see that much of them. You just see glimpses of them. They're not that scary. Um, they're just like dominatrix people or something. That's what I always thought they were. I thought there was too, I thought there the was too much of a are, weird are sex the, angle with they're it. They're the Sodomites. Yeah. They're the Sodomites. Okay. It's pleasure through pain, pain through pleasure. They experience all sensories all at once. But to me, it just looks like pain because they're ripping people's, uh, you know, limbs and skin off. So did they? Uh, didn't they change Pinhead to a chick in, in the, the latest one? In yes. the Hulu one, I, I did see. A, yes, they did. They have officially uh, gender swapped Pinhead. Why? Supposedly they were kind of genderless and sexless anyway because they experienced. I don't know. It's a whole. But yes. But he was you know, a dude. You know why, Remzo? I know why. You know why? All right. So moving into my number four, though, my actual number four. Uh, is a film that genuinely scared the shit out of me. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When I was a kid, there's one particular scene that I'll describe in a moment uh, once I mention the movie that really, really always used to scare the fuck shit out of me because I'll tell you a little story about when I was a kid, but this movie... I'm going to present to you right now. I'm, I'm trying to do a visual presentation, but you know, you gotta be with us in the moment, folks. I'm just not, uh, I'm not there. All right, there we go. This movie, it's Poltergeist, the original Poltergeist. This movie, oh, yeah, that's scary. This movie is genuinely scary, uh, and yeah. it, it holds up. I, I have watched this recently as an adult, it's just as good as, as a movie as it when it scared the shit out of me as a kid. The scene in this movie that actually scared the shit out of me is when the, the kid, the boy, uh, not this girl that's you know captured by the TV. Uh, he is like, there's this clown in his room that he has, and there's like this thunderstorm, and he thinks the clown is looking at him or talking to him, and he he runs. So I had, I think it it must when I think about it, it must be because I saw this scene in the movie and I associated it with this. But I I had this piggy bank in in my room, but it was like a but it was like a pig that was standing up. Oh, this right? is where like, the trauma began, wasn't it? It was like a fisherman pig and he was my piggy bank, but it was like a, a, it was like this big, it was standing up. It was, you know, and I don't know if I saw this movie first or what, but I got the idea in my mind that this thing was a, like had consciousness and was looking at, and I got so fucking scared of this thing. And I, I think I just scared myself into, and then one night, I don't know if it was just my imagination or what it, it went, it, it goes boo. And it talked, it, it, I think it was my head. I think it was my head. But I, I genuinely thought this happened, and I, I ran the fuck out of my room so fucking scared, and I never look at that goddamn thing the same again. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure it still exists in my parents' house, and it should probably be buried as an ancient relic. Anyway, it's always get the money out of it first. The point is, I think this movie actually just scared me into thinking that this thing in my room had some sort of evil consciousness to it. Um, but man, that's what movies can do to you, you know. But and this this movie is genuinely frightening in every level. It's visually frightening. It's psychologically frightening. Um, and it, it, it holds up uh, again, rewatchability evil dead two is so rewatchable because it does blend those horror elements in. And it does have that campy element to it that I just, I just love so much. But, uh, this in this realm of, of, of the list here, like I want to be scared. And this movie is a, in a, is in a handful. I mean, I'm, I'm naming the handful right now to you. This is within a handful of genuinely scary films that I can actually say, can actually cause me fright when I'm watching it and focus on it. And I forget about the world around me. It can actually still make me jump, actually still make me, you know, wake up afraid of my fucking piggy bank. So that is why poltergeist is my number. Yeah. So for, for my number three, it's very much along the same lines. Now I'll be, I was a lot older when I saw this movie, it came out in, I think 2013, 2014. Uh, I went to see it during a, a summer furlough. Um, and it, it's, it's the conjuring, the first conjuring film. On based its, on true events. Based on true events. And, and what I will make is a recommendation. If you ever want to really know what the Conjuring films are based on in reality-wise, there's a collection of, uh, of reports and articles and stories written by Ed Lorraine Warren's biographer. I don't remember his name, but it's in a book of, uh, of basically everything you need to know as far as what was taken from actual cases and put into the films. It's called the demonologist. Now, Ed Lorraine Warren uh, published other books off of their cases, but in terms of the ones that were based quote based for the movies, the demonologist is the one book you need to read. And I, I used to read that book. I, I picked up that book a couple of years later. I was interning in DC. So I'd take the Metro um, from where I was in Virginia into DC. It was about 45 minute uh, train ride. And I would read that book and that book would freak me the fuck out. So if you want to read something really messed up based on the actual uh, source and eyewitness accounts of Ed Lorraine Warren, you got to go pick up the, the demonologist. You can get paperback copy, super cheap. Um, but anyway, what I like about the conjuring films is that it, it, Took the horror genre, and I, I think uh, James Wu, the director, same guy who did Aquaman, stuff like that, who did the Annabelle films like that. He took it James seriously. Wong. He took it seriously in a way where it's like the films, the films take a lot of Hollywood theatrical elements and they do exaggerate a lot of the stuff. But what I can say is that in terms of 
how it's perceived in the film. And I'm just talking this one movie, not the other stuff. For those of you that know me, you know, I did several seasons of a TV series called The Witching Hour. The Conjuring film is the closest thing I have seen in a major movie to some of the most scary things I have witnessed in real life. Not everything in the movie, but as far as other stuff goes, the first Conjuring film does it really, really well. And what I, you know, what, what breaks my heart about the film is that, um, you know, they, the, the story of the family that gets victimized, they're really good at showing the signs of demonic possession in a lot of films uh, that talk about demon possession and stuff like that. Um, witchcraft and things. They, they kind of just jump to the end. It's like they show some buildup for, you know, for a theatrical sense. And that gets straight to like everything. Like they really bring up, the, the different layers of demonic infestation from how it comes to how a person is really possessed. Um, now the story of the witch Bathsheba and everything is actually still mostly true in the film and what ends up happening to the family. I can say there's far more worse things that happened in reality than what happened in the film. There's some sexual assault. There's a whole bunch of other stuff, other members of the family uh, came across uh, demons and stuff like that. Like it is really screwed up. So this film, knowing that one, they got the accuracy of how it appears pretty right. Uh, I think the moment the mom gets possessed, that that kind of you know they, they kind of just that that's where all the reality kind of leaves the room. Um, the exorcism part that takes place is actually more accurate to how an actual exorcism is conducted than in what other films will do. So in the, in the basement scene in which they're trying to exorcise the mother, that scene is actually pretty accurate to not just how the Roman Catholic church does it. So what, but, but to also what happened in reality of the family. So uh, the conjuring film is just one of those things that, you know, people look at it and they're like, Oh, well, you know, it's just another horror film. I, I take the shit very seriously. Go listen to that episode that, Mark and I did over on his show. Like I'm, I'm dead serious about this stuff. It bothers me when I go to Barnes and Noble and I see a witchcraft and astrology section. That really does bother me. It bothers me when I see Ouija boards in toy stores. Like, you know, it's and there's the all craziest thing in the world. It is the craziest thing in the world. That's like putting a load, loaded gun in a toddler's hand. Like, it's like, hey kids, you want to play with a ball? You want to open a portal to hell? Yeah, <laughs> you can have that all at the same store. So I would say The Conjuring is good because it's as accurate as you can get in a Hollywood movie, but it does so in a way which is actually still pretty respectful to the source material. Conjuring 2, Annabelle, The Nun, all that now stuff. We're going that came off in yeah, way too crazy. But uh, yeah, The Conjuring, that's my number three. All right, well, you've, you've at least broken out of the zombie theme, so I'm impressed by that. Um, moving into my number three, this is one that it certainly is a horror movie. No doubt about it, but I often don't think of it right away when I think of my list of horror films. But it's actually one of my favorite films. And interestingly enough, if if this was just a ranking of films, it would probably be higher than any of these movies. But when we're specifically talking about the genre, I'm just looking at things a little bit differently. Um, but it certainly has to count as a horror movie because it is fucking horrifying. And the first time I stumbled upon this movie, I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I did not have a TV in my room. I would, it used to sometimes on the weekends. I would, you know, I would sneakily, once I knew my parents were asleep, I would wake up around or get up. I would still be awake. You know, I would get up around one or two in the morning, sneak out. And we had a really squeaky floor. I actually experienced this even a few weeks ago when my wife, wife and I would try to get up in the middle of the night and, and go to the squeaky floor. So some things never change. I would go in the squeaky floor, hope they didn't wake up close this sliding door that separated the hallway with the bedrooms uh, between uh, that and the, with the area with the TV. And I would just turn on the TV. And then that was the exciting thing to me because I was 12 and I didn't have a TV in my room. So I had to watch TV late at night. And that's when you'd find some of the weirder, scarier shit that you would never see on regular TV during the day. And I stumbled upon the shining. Not only did I stumble upon my number three movie, the shining, but the scene I turned on is the scene. I literally turned it on as blood is pouring down the hallway. And as the kid is turning in the hall and seeing a guy in a bunny costume blowing a guy. And it's, it's, you're like, what is going on here? And I, I had no idea what was happening. The first time I saw this, I came in like halfway through the movie. So I just saw that to the end, zero context, zero clue. I was just fucking horrified. Of course, as I got older, I, 
started to you know get and become a fan of Stanley Kubrick, and I've seen all. Yeah, of is it two thousand one Space Odyssey your favorite movie? I would say that's my favorite movie. Yes. Would you say that that's a horror film? No. No, but I mean, you you could make the argument could be made. I suppose there are horror elements. There are horror elements. I you you could call it a horror slash sci fi, but I, I yeah. would. If we're just category, if we're picking a category, that's all I, how I always try. If we're to picking at a category; it'd probably still be a hard sci-fi. If you're forced to categorize, if you're if you're setting up a streaming site and you're forced to only put movies in one category, now these streaming sites will put a movie in seven different categories. So they probably have uh, 2001 as sci-fi, as horror, as fucking comedy. Who knows? They'll they'll put these movies everywhere. But if you have to choose one, I I would call that sci-fi. That's kind of how I go by this list. If if I had to choose a category, would that category be horror? And if the answer is yes, then it can be on on, on my list. Essentially, so I, I would still categorize. Uh, I would categorize 2001 as a a sci-fi movie with some horror elements. I would ch- ca- classify The Shining as a horror movie, just yeah, straight up. But I love The Shining. Jack Nicholson, incredible. Um, and even though it's not a funny movie, depending on your state of mind when you watch it, a lot of Jack Nicholson's mannerisms and the way he does things are very funny. Also, if you can get around the fa- pack that he's becoming demonically possessed and is about to try to murder his wife and son and all that stuff. So um, to me, this movie hits every time. Uh, it's a beautiful film as all Stanley Kubrick's films are. And uh, you just can't go wrong watching the shining, whether you're in the mood to be frightened or just in the mood to be in awe of an incredible film. Did you see the sequel Dr. Sleep? I still haven't seen it. I've, I've like started to watch it once and didn't, I, I don't know. For some reason I'm me and that movie keep passing each other in the night, but not actually uh, settling down for an evening. I, I really liked it. I actually saw it twice in theaters and um, it, it it's one of those, it's one of those sequels where it's like, if you didn't know that it was connected to the shining, it would have no impact on the movie at all. It's not until the final act of the film where they finally like bring everything together and you're like, Oh, this is a sequel to the shining. Okay. I actually like that approach to sequels more where it's not necessarily about it, but at the end you're like, uh, kind of like those Shyamalan movies, you know, with Bruce yeah. Willis. It, it very much feels like that. And Stephen King actually said um, it's probably the best on-screen adaption to one of his books that's ever happened. Well, Stephen King hates The Shining. You know, that, he right? hates it, which is what made the fact that he like prayed, which is like why he praised uh, Doctor Sleep meant so much to him and to the cast and everybody. It's got Ewan McGregor too, and it's, it's like one of those performances that just feels kind of weird for him. Yeah. yeah. There's this whole thing about how like there's a scene in The Shining where that wasn't in obviously in Spielberg's book, Spielberg's book, I'm talking about, um, Stephen King's book. And it's like it's like a car that's it's kind of like a, a, this the thing that he's passing when he's on the when a what's his name? The black guy is on the, the on groundskeeper. Yeah, he's on this way to go like save the kid. And they pass yeah. this this car that's uh, like overturned. And it's supposedly it's the it's the car that Stephen King drove. And it was like <laughs> Stanley Kubrick, like saying, like, fuck, yeah, fuck off. I'm going to just do whatever I want with this because they had a whole falling out and he's like oh well it's my movie <laughs> they already signed over the rights to the stuff so i'm gonna i can go do whatever i want yeah they didn't get along yeah my my wife's not in the room but this is a there's a fun oh, good. announcement now we get into the juicy stuff yeah no next year uh i'm planning to take us on a three-day weekend to the stanley hotel in i guess you're very confident your wife will not watch the show at all yeah, I feel pretty high confidence. <laughs> yeah, Can no, you I, at least I have her click like on the YouTube channel. That's all I ask. Yeah. I, I, I have a, I have us going if if everything works out and, you know, there's still pretty far in advance. But if everything works out, I have us going there uh, at some point in the fall before it gets starting, you know, like really booked, but also before you could potentially get trapped there. So it's right at the end of tourist season, right at the beginning where the fan where like the shining fans want to come. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to guess that sweet, that like sweet spot deal. So we'd fly in, stay for a couple nights, and fly back to Milwaukee. So that's one of those places that I've has been on my radar for a couple of years. We get a direct flight to Colorado Springs from here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that potentially happening. So knock on wood. Nice. Well, oh, okay. My, num- my number, my number two, and this is controversial because people either love this movie or they hate this movie. I love it because it's got action. It's got Selma, a young Selma Hayek. It's got vampires. Danny Trejo. That's right, motherfuckers. It's even got Quentin Tarantino from Dusk Till Dawn, baby. I think it's a great movie. I it's freaking awesome love movie. that movie. You can't go wrong with Selma Hayek in that no. film. No, you not. A, you can go wrong with her in some films like uh, Eternals. Yeah. Um, when I watched this movie, I had never heard or seen of it before so i was watching it on a amc's 31 nights of halloween marathon in high school 
watching it, I just thought it was a crime story because the first two acts are entirely about the brothers, um, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino escaping the law after a bank robbery gone wrong. So I thought it was entirely just a crime movie. So by the time they go to Mexico and then they go to the bar and everything else, when it then turns into them having to survive through a bunch of vampires and stuff, that completely flipped the script on me. There are very few movies that can do that, especially that far into a story. So when that happened, I was like, holy shit, like this is completely different. And they make it look so cool. Yeah, it's an early 90s film. The CGI is waning. But it just becomes so campy and everything, especially when the vampires start like exploding and everything that you're like, this is this is a cult classic in the making. All right. I, I didn't like any of the sequels, though. I, I think it's a good <laughs> film. I, I didn't even know there were sequels. Oh, there, there are like three other movies. There was also a Netflix series. Uh, the first season is basically the movie drawn out in like 12 episodes. But after that, they just like completely jumped the shark. And I think the, the series ended uh, on a cliffhanger. Um, it got canceled at some point in like 2015 and they were just like, no, we're not going to finish this. Just leave it where it is. I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Something should just be left alone. Well, one movie that has not been left alone is certainly the movie I'm going to bring up and I'm going to have another honorable mention within this. Uh, but this was, this is a tight one. Cause to me, there is a, a big part of me that wanted to put this at number one, but at the end of the day, I will explain why it's, the reason it's number one, not number one, is nothing, no fault of this film. It's just something special about the, the film that will become a number one. But to me, this is this is really the ultimate horror movie in some ways, which maybe when I say that out loud, it should be the number one. But um, it, it's, it's a movie that still, I think, just to like Poltergeist, it still has those horror elements that if you're watching it for the first time and you get yourself lost in this movie, um, it's still pretty damn scary, especially because um, it does feel so... You no, know, every every horror movie has to have that that sci-fi element where it's it's a little above just what could happen in reality, but this one sticks close enough to something you could almost imagine being real. Uh, this movie is by to me one of the masters of the genre. Uh, to me, uh, Halloween it has to be mentioned on on any list like this. You could argue it could be number Halloween. Halloween. What is your what is your? your I mean, I can see. Uh, okay, well, I mean. Oh, the, the young kids here, they, they like these these flashy zombie movies, but they don't respect the true fucking classics. Halloween is is pretty much the ultimate. It is the framework for 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 modern day slasher movies for the for the most part. And it's done in such a way as to like it's 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 the entire pattern. It's the it's the opposite of the victim's journey when when now you have it's, it's the it's the true sort of layout of the of the final girl uh the chaste woman who is is the innocent one when all her friends are fucking and and then doing drugs and all this they're all the ones that get killed and uh it's done in such a way where michael myers i think is there's this mystery and aura around michael myers but of course in in that film you also get a glimpse of his own vulnerability and to me you just can't it, it well you can beat it because i do have a higher ranked movie but to me what I, I can't believe you don't respect halloween that's so sad. I, I, there's no real killing or anything until like the second half of the film. It, it's so slow. For me, it just feels so slow. Even in the it's first Friday generation, they even need, they in, need the sl- even they in the first, even in the first Friday, every thir- thirty seconds to be even honest. in the first Friday thirteenth. At least they kill somebody in the prologue before the opening credits. At least they there, get to that. Rebzo, there's a cold open to this movie that features two murders. I don't know what the fuck you're talking. It's about. okay, yeah, but they were they were not. It's on the first par thing that like happens Friday in the whole movie. Okay. I like I like Halloween three. Where the whole town has to fight them. You know, that's like if that maybe should be another. I know Halloween three is the is the one that has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Halloween three is the one where it's it's about these masks and this signal they send to the TV that turns these masks. Okay, okay. Into these that, I meant magazines. I meant Halloween two, the one where the where he's like fighting the whole town. Yeah, he's he's kind of Halloween two. He, well, so here's here's another movie that almost made my list. Now I will recommend these movies. Maybe a little more more to your liking because there's a little more action. Have you seen the Rob Zombie remakes of Halloween? I like those. Now the first one is almost like shot for shot. It's just kind of like in more zombie style. Yeah. The second one goes off in a whole other different direction. They make you think it's going to be just another remake, but it goes off in a whole other direction, and I I love it. And I don't want to even spoil it because if anybody hasn't that seen one's it, really good. It's very unique, and it didn't quite make this list, but it's I do like I have I have a strong affinity for it. Um. So let's hear what you got, Remzo. What's your number one? Since you don't appreciate some of the best movies of all time. This film drove more people to church than the passion of the Christ. I'm talking the exorcist. 
which was shot about 30 minutes from my home in Georgetown, D.C. At least the staircase sequence was. The Exorcist is probably the film that, like, I don't know how old I was when I watched it. I think I was 12. I remember sitting on the couch with my dog while my mom was doing something with my younger brother after school. We watched it. It was on AMC in the month of November. And this was the film that was just like, this is so wrong. Because it's a film where it's like, it's less about what you're seeing. It's more about, you know, what's happening. A child is the victim. You're seeing them go through these things that should kill any other person. And it's less about the threat of can they physically harm you. It's about the mental threat of they know your secrets. They know your insecurities. This is a film that even to this day, I have to think twice about whether I turn it on. The Exorcist is just probably the most like like spine-tingling, gut-wrenching horror film you will ever watch. And for me, if I placed anything before, it just wouldn't have seemed right. All right. Well, now this is going to play into what I mentioned earlier that I have an honorable mention. And the reason I wanted to save it for the end is because it's actually an honorable mention. Number one, if that makes any sense. (laughs) So you're a real number two. I I agree that the exorcist should be the number one movie, but it can't be my number one movie. Okay. And here's why. First of all, I've never seen the entire movie from beginning to end as a child. Much like um, you got Max now, you don't have the, you don't have an excuse. It's on Max. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna get to this. Much like The Shining, I stumbled upon it a few times as a kid. It was too it was too horrifying. It actually scared me away. Um, and today, you know, there's so much bad energy with this. I had a discussion with my wife about watching this movie the other day, and she's like, "I can't watch it. You can watch it without me." And she starts the talking Shining. About, you know, no. Oh, The, the Exorcist. Exorcist. Okay. You know all the bad stuff that happened to actors in the movie and all yeah. this, and she's like. Honestly, when I watch that movie, bad things happen to me and weird stuff happens. And I don't even want to watch it. So now I'm so scared of the movie too that I'm never going to watch it probably ever. And now, and, and to me, it's, if a movie is so scary that I can't even watch it and I'm going to stay away from it, that it makes it even a meta number one. So my honorable number one mention is actually that the exorcist is so fucking scary that I won't even watch it. But because of that, it can't make my personal favorites list. You see what I'm okay, saying? Okay, that's now? fair. That's very fair. <laughs> so it probably is the scarier. It, I'm probably, I'm positive actually. It's, it's probably better than any movie that's actually on my list. And it's probably scarier than any movie. And it's so scary that I don't even want to watch it. I don't even want to watch it. I'm actually scared to watch it for real. So I'm just not going there. I don't need to watch it. It's too real and too much weird, bad shit surrounds that movie. Especially now that I've had this conversation in my household, it's like going to create itself at, at this point, if you believe in this kind of thing. So I'm never going to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, if, everything I said about the, everything I said about the first conjuring doubly applies to the exorcist. All right. Well, yeah. I'm not going to have anything to do with it, which makes it the real number one, but my actual number one of my favorite horror movies, because this is a, this is a personal list. So these are the movies that I enjoy watching the most. And the only horror movie, another honorable mention, by the way, because I love these movies too. Child's play. Are you a fan of the child's play movies? My gosh. Just like you in the piggy bank. I was totally afraid of like my number one, of like old dolls and shit coming alive and like killing me. Yeah. Luckily now what I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, I've never sat through, I saw the Mark Hamill one in 2018, mm. but it was so totally different than everything else. I could no, not watch child's play at all or bride of Chucky or any of those. They, I don't know what did it, but they fucked me up so much as a kid. They used to have a Chucky's doll at the Spencer's at the local mall facing outward. And I was so afraid of it. I would beg my mom to walk me outside the mall around the mall to walk back in. I couldn't pass the store. I was like, four or five at the time. It was so messed up. One time during uh, the darkest days of Los Angeles lockdowns, my wife and I watched every child's play movie what? in a row. All, there's like eight of them or nine of them. And I think there's a, a series as well that we haven't gone that far. Yeah. That um, one's tied more into the, the Mark Hamill one. Well, they're great though, because Chucky has a sense of humor too, which I always appreciate in my villain to me. Perfect villain is a villain that is scary, but has just enough sense of a humor to kind of make you laugh, but it actually made him even scarier because that villain is laughing at his own death and destruction that he's causing. And there is no one that encapsulates that description better than the star of my number one film. This is my personal favorite film uh, in the horror genre because I watch it every fucking year. I love this movie. Uh, it scared the shit out of me legitimately as a child. And it features the debut of one Johnny Depp. That movie is Nightmare on Elm Street. To me, you cannot Classic. you cannot beat this motherfucker. This motherfucker, right? If you give me and bear with me. Did this come on before Twenty One Jump Street? Is this what made him popular? 
he this this is the debut of Johnny. Oh, that's cool. This is his film uh, debut. You know what? I don't know how to share things. Anyway, uh, here he is. There's Fred. this motherfucker right here, uh, Freddy fucking Krueger. This is the scariest motherfucker in show business. Now, as these movies went along, I'd say the first. I think the first one is the best one. Um, the one through three are all pretty good. As they go along, they do get a little more ridiculous. By the time we get to Freddy's Dead, we've gone completely jump the shark. And New well, Nightmare, I was so confused about. I didn't realize it was about like the movie, real actors. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the actors play that the movie exists in the movie, but then Freddy actually comes out of the movie and haunts them in real life. Yeah. Um, but to me, also one of the best scenes perhaps in, uh, in movie history is one I'm going to show you right now. A couple scenes in this film scared the living shit out of me. Like like four or five different uh, different scenes. Where? Yeah, I saw the remake a couple yes. years ago on Max. Scene. The remake was scene, horrible. Remzo. Oh yeah, I remember that. Freddy comes out of the bathtub, um, and it, it, it's one of these endings too. I don't want to spoil it, but it, it the ending leaves you questioning the entire movie, and and it has just enough hokey effects that I can get an extra level out of enjoyment because it does have a little bit of a campiness to it still as well. Whereas some of the other movies become a little too high tech uh, for my taste. So uh, to me, this movie is, is has the perfect blend, the absolute perfect blend of true horror and a little twinge of comedy and a little twinge of cheesiness. And it's eminently rewatchable made, made mostly possible uh, besides the fact that Wes Craven is, is the master of horror, the true master of horror. Uh, Robert England's portrayal of Freddy Krueger is just unmatched. He brings the right amount of, of, he just seems like a scary motherfucker. And he has that sense of humor that even just makes him even scarier because he gets so much joy and pleasure about the torture that he is causing to his victims. And his victims are all fucking children and teenagers. What is scarier than that? Uh, Freddy Krueger, number one villain of all time. Again, I'm, I'm certain the exorcist is scarier, but it, I'm not going to go there. So <laughs> my personal list ends with Nightmare on Elm Street. The Nightmare on Elm Street remake from like 2009 was so bad. So bad. I saw that in the theater and I remember I actually fell ironically I fell asleep, fell asleep during a Freddy Krueger movie. But I didn't but but Freddy but Freddy did not come into my movie dream. Yeah, it was just so bad. I, I mean, it's one of the few times I'll say like the actor was just like really shitty. Like I was not impressed with that. Freddy is one of those things like look, you can have a different Jason if you you know you need to. It's okay. No one's going to notice Michael yeah. Myers even. You can't do a different Freddy. Freddy is unique because of, of Robert England. Freddy cannot be replaced. They have replaced Freddy in a couple different versions. I think just the one, actually. I think that's the only time they actually had a different Freddy from Robert England. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there will be new Freddies in the future. But to me, Freddy is is Robert England. You, he cannot be anybody else. Yeah, it, don't, it's like don't making fix Luke Skywalker broke. somebody. Like, it's just not going mean, to. Casting, like, it didn't work. Casting a different actor, even a younger version, is Han Solo. It just doesn't work because the whole thing about Han Solo is Harrison Ford. There's no way to separate the two. Same thing with Robert Egg. Yeah. Yeah, I completely yeah, agree. And I mean, the Friday the 13th remake that came out around the same time as Nightmare on Elm Street, that was still pretty good. I mean, that one was actually like, it, it could have just been a regular sequel to any of them. Well, that's the thing. Why do remakes when you can just call it part of the same universe and keep, keep it a sequel? That's what I say. Well, I mean, what, what confused me was like, so you had the Rob Zombie Halloween films halloween one halloween two and then you have that's an alternate universe those don't overlap yeah but then you had like the halloween that came out a few years prior then you have halloween those ones those new halloweens with jamie lee curtis are basically an alternate timeline where where nothing happened after halloween one and then they go right to this movie 20 years later. yeah because halloween h2o and the cult of the cult of michael myers none of that stuff is canon to me there's three halloween timelines there's the original halloween timeline that is the first halloween movie through through all this h2o the fucking coolio shit and it ends with eventually with uh laurie strode chopping off michael myers head and that's like that's the end of that timeline then there's another halloween timeline that is totally separate and has nothing to do with the other movies that's the Rob Zombie verse, you might call it. And then there's a third Halloween timeline that again starts with this first Halloween movie and then skips right to these last two Halloweens with Jamie Curtis. That's its own separate time. It's the same deal for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There are three timelines that all spin off from the first one. And what's wild is I had to actually go and like figure this out because I remember seeing Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D and stuff like that um, on in theaters and things. Like the first Halloween, I'm sorry, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that just came out on Netflix about a year ago, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, with the where he's fighting against all the woke people. That is 
this that is a direct sequel to the first one. And I'm like, so nothing matters. But then they even had the same thing about 10 years ago when they did Leatherface and the, you know, the new Texas Chainsaw, whatever. So, I mean, they, they do this quite a bit. Yeah. I wish they would just say like whether, where it takes place and shit like that. Not don't do the remakes. Just go ahead and exactly. figure something out. And then I can, uh, we can head candidate ourselves as we always yeah. do. That's what I say. Uh, the, my favorite kind of sequel is like the, the way to do these things is you make it. So if someone hasn't seen the originals, they're fine. And it's not a problem. Maybe they vaguely heard of it and it's okay. But if you've seen other ones, they leave certain little markers and Easter eggs that you can head candidate into, into the same universe. If you yeah. like and that way, it rewards the fans of all the movies, but it doesn't intimidate the new fans that they want to bring in, which is why they're remaking these things in the first. Yeah. Well, that's all she wrote folks. That's Let us awesome. know on Twitter at second print pod, what your top five yes, list please. is lambast us for our choices. As exactly. I know the patrons will, they always do, but we want to hear from you in the public too. So hit us up on Twitter at second print pod. Just hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> I don't go on any other social media. That's it. Yeah. That's where we are, folks. As always, to get this episode and future ones super early and all the other extensive co- uh, content we've got, as far as other opportunities go, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. And remember, the easiest thing you can do is listen past my nasally voice. And remember to read comics and watch and change, movies and change the world. With, with zombies is Ramza's choice. Change the world. Always zombies. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.